welcome to Fat Guy, Jack Guy. I'm Steph Rubino, and in a minute, I'll be joined by my brother Brendan Walsh and a special guest. But before we do that, I just wanted to remind everyone to join our Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash fatguyjackguy. If you join, you'll get extra episodes, you'll get to hear all of our rants, and you'll be the first to know when we have merch drops. Thank you for being listeners and, hopefully, patrons. Fat Guy, Jack Guy. brothers today we're joined by a special guest brendan i'll let you do the introduction today we have a former student a wonderful person a fat guy jack guy patron from the early days which we really appreciate uh we're joined by dawn dawn do you want to introduce yourself and uh and tell us what's up Hi, I'm Dawn, uh, known more socially on Donnie Dreams. Uh, I'm so excited to be here with y'all. So yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm so excited because this is such an important topic to me. I love the show so much. And I'm so excited to like share my insight with y'all and talk. Yeah, this is pretty exciting for me. I have never seen a single episode of RuPaul's Drag Race in my entire life. which. That's insane to me. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna like revoke my queer card after this, but <laughs> I do watch a Trixie and Katya show on YouTube. So oh, I, I do love. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, I, and Katya is so good. I guess Dawn, for those few people, I think Steph might be the only person that I know who is really RuPaul's Drag Race ignorant. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is? Like structurally, how does an episode work? Then we can kind of dive into the granular stuff of seasons and and queens and stuff like that. So RuPaul's Drag Race is a reality competition TV show uh, originally airing on Logo. Um, Currently airing on MTV, so great. (laughs) So RuPaul's Drag Race is a competition reality show originally on Logo TV, now on MTV. Um, about RuPaul trying to find America's next drag superstar. Ooh. <laughs> Generally, each week, a queen get, uh, a queen from a cast of however many for that season will get eliminated until we get to the finals where RuPaul will crown America's next drag superstar. And throughout the way, the queens will compete through challenges like celebrity impersonation, designing a garment, or whatever the hell RuPaul feels like that day. <laughs> you know, I have seen several seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race just to, you know, put this in perspective. I'm I'm pretty well aware of what the show looks like, although I did stop watching maybe like 3 or 4 years ago for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. But I noticed that in the earlier seasons and Dawn, I'm sure you can speak to this a lot. The garment thing right? The ability to look like a crazy runway model, that became a lot more important in the later seasons. 
Yeah, I definitely say like as this as the show became bigger, expectations became bigger for trying to look presentable. Like I'm just thinking season one, episode one, Rebecca Glasscock, beautiful name by the way. <laughs> uh Rebecca Glasscock entered the workroom wearing uh like a yellow t-shirt and jeans and a, like a brown wig. <laughs> beautiful name. Glasscock, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Um, Are we saying her outfit sucked? Is that what we're saying? Well, no. <laughs> and like, generally today, that would be very frowned upon, except if you are a uh, Princess Poppy on the season fifteen reunion, where you wear that exact outfit. <laughs> I'm completely serious. <laughs> she just wore that exact outfit. It was like, hey, look at me. I'm Rebecca Glasscock. <laughs> so, anyway. Dawn, what like what? brought you to rupaul's drag race what's your first drag race memory so my first like experience uh my friend sam was always like a huge fan and i like got into it because of him because i was like oh i'm interested in this let me watch and he told me to start season 10 was the season i was currently airing at the time um with queens like aquaria eureka asia o'hara uh, so I started watching season 10 and kind of got hooked since then. <laughs> every main series, every main US season since then I've watched. And as Drag Race has expanded internationally, I mean, I haven't watched too many international seasons now that I think about it, but I've been dabbling here and there, currently watching Drag Race Spain season three, which is very fun. <laughs> I saw Drag Race Thailand, which was like awesome. It was oh. so cool. I've heard such great things about uh, Drag Race Thailand. <laughs> I remember the one of the hosts, Penjana Heels, uh, went to compete on a UK season, and she was phenomenal. And I've been wanting to like go back and watch her two Thailand seasons where she hosted. Okay, so I just have a question. So <laughs> they compete. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have a question about the challenges. Okay, so. And when I say I have never seen a single episode, I mean it. Like, not a second of it. So, they compete in garment-making challenges? Like, outfit-making challenges? Um, that's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of challenges they do. But there's, yeah, design challenges where they have to make a garment within a limited time frame. Usually with some sort of strange material. Uh, season 1, episode 1, for example, used dollar store items okay so there's or, like a theme kind of yeah there's generally okay. a kind of theme i'm trying to think of another this most recent season the design challenge was make outfits out of furniture okay. Okay. <laughs> which that was a very fun episode so you know they change up the themes every now and then but the whole structure of like design challenges are relatively similar season to season and then they also have performance challenges right yeah, so I'd say the most popular challenge would be the Snatch Game, which is a celebrity impersonation challenge. So in Snatch Game, they have to emulate and impersonate whatever celebrity they choose, such as Chad Michaels impersonating Cher on season four, or Bob the Drag Queen as Uzo Aduba in season eight. Just whatever celebrity they choose and be funny. That's what RuPaul always says to the queens, like, please just make me laugh. And <laughs> Snatch Game is known is a fan favorite for its outstanding performances like those ones I mentioned or also its 
horrible performances. <laughs> um, sugar, as Trisha paid us, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> who or, is the, the the Puerto Rican queen, the, the little one who uh, just started like barking like a dog at one point? Is that Kenya Michaels' Beyonce? Yes, 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 yes. That was the most ridiculous thing I've oh. ever seen. Like, oh what? <laughs> Why was that her Who choice? are they emulating? Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce has been a notoriously very bad choice. Yeah. I mean, there was that. It's like making a dessert in Top Chef. Like, don't be Beyonce in Snatch Game. No, don't use the don't use the ice cream machine on Chopped. You know, don't be Beyonce in Snatch Game. Don't use the ice cream machine on Chopped. It's all exactly. bad. We know this. <laughs> And then okay, so we have that. We have and what other performances one what other um, performances do we have? We have a lip syncing one, I'm assuming. Oh, so I forgot I probably should have mentioned this when we went over the format. At the end of every episode, when RuPaul picks RuPaul will pick the top queen of the week, the winner of that challenge, and the bottom two. And the bottom two will lip sync for their lives, and whoever wins that lip sync stays. Or in RuPaul's words, Shantae, you stay and the other <laughs> sachets away. <laughs> and obviously that has been very iconic throughout the years. We have many great lip syncs, many horrible lip syncs. <laughs> in my questioning, so I have a lot of questions here for you. Oh, Ron. yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a person who's watched a little Drag Race, best lip sync in your opinion? Oh, God. What's oh, the God. number one? Because I every time I go on Twitter and there's like some RuPaul's Drag Race news, somebody's saying, oh, this was the best lip sync we've ever seen. Okay. This is... You asked for one, I'm going to say two. Okay, that's good. <laughs> and the first one is probably recency bias because it just happened. Uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha versus Anitra to um, Boss Bitch by Doja Cat on uh, season 15. <laughs> Absolutely amazing lip sync. They just, oh my God. <laughs> my favorite part was when uh, Marsha, she did a back bend and then Anitra flipped over her. <laughs> <laughs> like a running dive. And then it cut to a confessional of another queen, Selena S. Titties, just screaming, <laughs> ah, free Willy. <laughs> Again, Probably some recency bias there since it just happened like a month ago. But one that's definitely stood the test of time was at the season nine finale, Sasha Ballore versus Shea Coulee. Ah, uh, I have seen that. To So Emotional by Whitney Houston, mm -hmm. uh, where Sasha took off her wig to reveal rose petals falling out. <laughs> um, just an absolutely iconic moment that, I mean, changed Drag Race forever, really. So... Like that one really sticks out in my mind. And I mean, I love the song too. So that definitely helps. I think it's interesting that like, because this is a season about 2003 to 2013 and the first season of Drag Race aired when like 2007? 2009. 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of like smack dab in this moment that we're talking about. And since then, I, I think maybe it's hit its peak. I, I hope it's, I'm not saying that I hope like drag culture goes away, but the co-opting of drag culture by like straight white women, like specifically yeah. the thing I'm thinking of, I think we need to talk about that a little bit because something that was very niche 
began to to appeal to a, a lot of people because of course it's a really appealing art form and a really wonderful interesting show i mean how do you feel about the co-opting of drag culture by all these people who drag culture was just like the worst thing to them honestly i mean i don't have too much experience with that personally probably because I, I don't have <laughs> i don't talk to many straight people <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I talk to Brendan every day. Okay, so. well, I can think of uh, <laughs> two off the top of my head, and that one is one is you, Brendan. <laughs> so I don't have much personal experience. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of queens have had awful experiences with some straight fans and some just I, I wish I could speak more on this, but I generally just don't I don't think this is my space to really talk about that because I haven't had any personal experience. <laughs> no, that's fair. I that's mean, fair. it's it's not my space to talk about it either because I am a straight person, but <laughs> but I also just when I first started teaching high schoolers in 2016-2017, I I had watched plenty of drag race by that point and I noticed the co-opting of the language in a way that was you could tell these people didn't know where it was coming from, but it had become mm -hmm. so popularized in the seven years since Drag Race had become a thing. And it annoyed me, mm -hmm. but I'm I, obviously it's not my place to be annoyed by this, but at the same time I was like, stop saying that, like stop saying <laughs> Yas Queen, stop <laughs> saying like, what's the tea? Like no tea, no shade. Like all these things that these like teenage white girls were saying and I'm, and, mm -hmm. I felt protective of it, maybe because I know that drag culture, as we're seeing now, is something that can be attacked and weaponized by like far right forces for evil. And I guess there's like a part of me that wants to be protective of that culture for like specific groups of people, which I, I mean, guess. Yeah. Go ahead. Like a lot of queer drag phrases come from the queer black community mm -hmm. that and i feel like it's been i mean very popularized throughout drag race and not just and throughout the influence of social media you know i've seen <laughs> so many like i don't want to say like old people <laughs> <laughs> you can say old people <laughs> i've seen like old people say like oh this is gen z slang when referring to something that's generally african-american vernacular english and i've seen a lot of i mean i'm not a black person i do not claim to know the lived experience of a black person but i have many friends who have expressed disdain towards people using these phrases as a non-black person or as a non-queer black person but again as someone who has not lived that experience, I can't claim to know or experience that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think also I'm wondering, you know, obviously people other, obviously people have always, non-queer people have always had an interest in drag. I don't think that that is new, like just because of drag race has come around. I think though maybe drag race I don't know. You can you can speak on this, Don. Since two thousand nine, I've just seen more people be interested in drag, and I'm I'm wondering if maybe Drag Race made people feel like it was safer 
than they had previously thought? I definitely say so, especially since how popular Drag Race has become since it aired in 2009. Like it's moved networks twice to a more popular network each time now on MTV. These queens have the biggest platform they could possibly have, really. Um, and, you know, there's just queens who have come into superstardom like Trixie Mattel, Bob the Drag Queen, Jinx Monsoon, who, like, these are people who are huge influences on not just queer culture anymore, but on the general cultural zeitgeist. Like, Steph, I know you mentioned earlier in um, when, in the recording, you said that you watched Trixie and Katya's show on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you have not watched a single uh, <laughs> drag race. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how, or like now with uh, Jinx Monsoon just finished her. Um, she was like, on Broadway, right? She was on uh, Chicago on yeah. Broadway. Uh, uh, she was playing the role of Mama. And like, I don't know. She wasn't the first drag queen to be on Broadway, but I think it's a major role, maybe. I'm not sure. I know Peppermint from season nine was also on a Broadway show, but I don't remember what she was doing. That was that was a while ago. I, I don't have the best memory. It's okay, don't worry. You're good. <laughs> but just the level of fame that these queens now have because of drag race, because of social media, because of these events that they're invited to, these roles that they're cast in. Drag is bigger than ever. And these three queens that I've been talking about all won or have been on Drag Race <laughs> and thank like their fame, their success to RuPaul and the show, which I just think is like amazing that all of this has come from this one show. Yeah. yeah it's incredible to see. Definitely growing up, the idea of a drag queen was pretty much for us in the 90s, at least for me in the 90s. I mean, it was RuPaul. RuPaul was it, like, mm -hmm. as far as, like, known entities for common culture. Like, people had seen RuPaul. And I think now for young people, there are, like, a handful of drag queens that they can probably name off the top of their heads, which is a totally different experience, um, something that was relegated to queer culture is now mainstream. And I think with that, of course, comes all of the challenges that we kind of talked about before, which is like, it's annoying that people people know about something that is cool. I think that, <laughs> I've always thought that. You and I can't think, be annoyed by that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's good, it's good, I get it, right? It's good that, that people now have a more a widespread audience, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, other people are lame and I hate that people are lame and they like this thing that's cool. But maybe the cool thing will make them cool. That's the only hope, you right? Know? That's the only hope we can have. It's like showing your friend the like really cool movie, you, like, you know, showing your friend who's like on the fence, one of the one of the, re the really cool movies you like in high school and then all of a sudden they become cooler because they have that knowledge and now they're using that knowledge to like get other knowledge. Mm -hmm, sure. You know, it's kind of like that. It could be anyway. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely. Like I don't, I'm trying to relate this to something that happened on Jagger, you know, to tie it together. Sure. Yeah. Bring it together. Yeah. Um, like I remember 
December last year when the season 15 cast was announced and they were having the twins Sugar and Spice who are very popular on TikTok. They were announced to be competing on the show and a lot of like Drag Race super fans that not really ones that I talk to because I mean I love Sugar and Spice <laughs> but people are like oh my god no I hate the twins uh they're gonna bring all those stupid TikTok people in <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay they made their name off of TikTok they're still just as amazing queens as everyone else on this season <laughs> they deserve this as much as anyone else like you know and I mean, maybe this is just me speaking as a big fan of Sugar and Spice, but like, they're fucking amazing. And I feel like more people kind of came around to them, even on the show, like originally, one of their competitors, Mistress Isabel Brooks was like, I do not like the twins. <laughs> uh, and she has now adopted them as her drag daughters. <laughs> so, just complete, <laughs> like, 180. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, think, I, I think, oh, sorry, just to go back to talking about, like, the popularity of it, mm -hmm. I do think Brennan, you were, Brennan was just saying, you know, in the 90s, we grew up with, like, RuPaul, if you were, like, if you had, like, a cool parent, or a parent who just, like, didn't care, who let you watch, like, Tu Wong Fu, <laughs> mm. and, like, The Birdcage, you know, then you had some fictional drug, because, you know, I mean, RuPaul is actually in um, Tu Wong Fu for, like, a minute, mm -hmm. but... Then you had some like fictional drag queens so you knew maybe that like drag was a thing but then most i really feel like most people in our age range though so talking about like you know early 30s to late 30s probably didn't know much about drag culture until 2009 when and i'm not i'm not saying i'm queer people have always known but i just mean like people outside of the queer community mm. are probably not that familiar with it until or like just everything that it entailed, you know? It's not just people dressing in like elaborate feminine outfits. <laughs> like, yeah, it is so not. much more involved in yeah. being a drag queen. So yeah, I think that that, it's interesting to kind of examine it's like upward trajectory since then. And like then getting to our students like you, our former students like you who now love it. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like a really interesting thing to me. Because I feel like if I went back to 2009 and like asked some of my college classmates if they knew what drag queens actually do, some of them would not be able to answer that question. Mm -hmm. But now, like young kids can. Yeah, so. definitely uh, increased uh, participation in drag brunches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now you can go see your drag queen read at the public library. Man, what I would have killed for that as a child. <laughs> Uh, me too. Like, I would have loved to have that as a kid. And I'm so glad that kids now have that. Depending on where you are, of course. Um, um, yeah, I mean, here in, <laughs> South, here in South Florida, it's still going on. <laughs> I don't know I mean, how much longer. On, but I don't know for how much longer. So let's talk a little bit more about some drag race stuff. I have some questions. Oh, yes. All right, John. He's going to grill you right now. Yeah, I got I'm some sorry. grilling. Okay. Favorite queen who's oh, your favorite god. drag race queen of all time oh god <laughs> all time yeah all time that's like that's like a hundred that's like hundreds of people i'll oh, tell you mine trixie and katya there you go <laughs> trixie's up there for me and katya of course but uh 
am I number one? <laughs> oh God, I wasn't expecting to be asked this time. Right, give, give us top three, top three. Okay, well, I'm gonna use those spots for Trixie and Katya. <laughs> yeah. God. I don't understand, but I do understand. <laughs> <laughs> Not I don't know who they're up against, but <laughs> they're hilarious. I love them. I literally have uh, Trixie's limited edition doll because I love her that much. And of course, I mean, I I'm also a doll collector outside of drag. Yeah, because I can Bob, tell you, Bob the I drag love, queen. I love Bob the drag queen. Yeah, Bob's it. great. I'm a big fan of Bob the drag queen as Bob well. Bob should have more stuff going on. Well, I mean, Bob has a shit ton of stuff going on. Like, she has her podcast with Monet Exchange, who is my number four. <laughs> I love Monet Exchange, too. Um, we're here with Shangela and Eureka on HBO. Like that. Oh, there's a show on HBO? Yeah. I've watched, like, a couple episodes. I don't know too much about it. I've only watched, like, one or two. Her and Monet had just released like a makeup brand, Bomo Beauty. So like they're doing a lot. Wow. Damn. Bob's on tour with Madonna now. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> so Bob's just doing a lot. I, I mean, I love Bob. <laughs> so Bob is your number one. You're you're locking that in as your number one <laughs> drag queen of RuPaul's Drag Race. So it's Bob, Trixie, Katya, and then Monet Exchange. One more. One more. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Again, recency bias, but season fifteen, I was the entire way rooting for Lux Noir in London. I she was just so funny. So, just what I love about drag, mostly a fashion. Honestly, she was the fashion queen of the season. And I don't know, as someone who loves the fashion of drag, she was like everything that I love, and I'm so happy to see her blossoming and flourishing now. <laughs> now that the season's ended beautiful so beautiful. yeah uh, my number one drag queen is those five <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i mean yeah that's it's a it's a it's a harsh question but i'm gonna ask you some favorite questions um wait brendan what's who are your listen your mine is sentimental actually i have okay i also have like three but they're they're <laughs> sentimental choices my first is bianca del rio because bianca was the winner of the first season of drag race i ever watched mm -hmm. which i think was season five or season six. season six and i just like thought bianca del rio is such a amazing talent the ability to think and speak off the cuff and land those zingers that listen as a kid growing up i didn't know what a drag queen was but if i had to guess it would be someone like bianca del rio Someone who can just like grill and roast anyone immediately and like have the dopest zingers and crush people. I appreciate that more in a drag queen than the looks. I think we're coming at it mm -hmm. from different uh, places, yeah. Dawn. Yeah, I'm like a I'm like a barroom drag queen, like work in the mic kind of kind of person. I mean, I love that too. It's just I also, you know, I, I don't know how I value these things, like because obviously my other favorites, like Trixie and Katya. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trixie's known for her looks. Kat, they're all known for their looks, but like Lux, for example, is pretty much only known for her looks, while like Bianca is only known for a comedy. Really, you know. I mean, obviously things overlap, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I love I love a drag queen who's also a stand-up comedian. Mm. I do too. That 
will win me over every single time. Yeah, Bianca's a great queen. I love her. You see, as when Brendan said Bianca Del Rio, this is how this just shows how big we were just talking about how big the show is. Like, I know who this person is. You know what I'm saying? I've never yeah. seen that season, but I know who Bianca Del Rio is. I mean, so I think their like star power is so big. After I they think she was like, show. I think she was like the first queen to really like. It was either her or Adore Delano from the same season. Ah, uh, Adore. <laughs> I remember Adore Delano. <laughs> well, like, from my experience, Adore was more popular with, like, the younger fans and Bianca with the older fan base. But I feel like both of them really were the first to kind of use their fame on the show to propel off and use that in their everyday careers now especially Bianca being becoming the first queen to like tour solo across the country and now like obviously like Trixie and Katya Bob and Monet do that but that's still a very small list of queens who are able to do that yeah uh, it's pretty incredible that their ability as performers is spotlighted because that's something that, of course, is lost maybe on people who have never seen RuPaul's Drag Race or have never been to a drag show. The level of performance is extraordinary. Like how much it requires. You mentioned there's the fashion element, which is something that like I can't even wrap my head around the stuff that, that people can create. But also like crowd work and mic work and dancing and lip syncing. Um, and singing, all of these things are what makes a drag queen, which like no other art form is really asking you to do literally everything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, no drag queen does everything. I'd say the closest would be like Jinx or, well, Jinx the fashion. <laughs> I'd say like Jinx, Ben de la Creme, Bob the Drag Queen, Trixie are like, you know, they are the drag superstars of the world for a reason. <laughs> Um, because they do everything, but uh, there's so many queens out there who specialize in one or two of these things that, you know, they are who they say they are. They are these talented ass queens, like these look queens, like Naomi Smalls, Lux Noir London. Man, or Naomi the Smalls is so hot. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Naomi Small. Every, when I was watching the show, I was like, "What's going on here? What's happening?" <laughs> what? That just took me out. That's I was true. like, "But she is like, yeah. oh my no toxic masculinity on this fucking podcast." <laughs> Have you seen Naomi Smalls before, brother? No, I'm about to Google uh, her right now. Yeah, take a Google. I think her Instagram is Naomi Smalls, duh. Or maybe yeah. that's her Twitter. She's like I seven feet tall. She's like oh, super tall. Like <laughs> the legs? Yeah. The legs? Yeah, Naomi Smalls is hot. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, my God. I want to see her perform so bad because she's such a great performer, too. Like, I think she's lip synced twice on the show one on her original season and one on her All Stars run. And just an amazing performer alongside just her fashion and uh, i love her yeah me too definitely and who's your other top two you said you have three. all right well okay oh. so once again sentimental the second one is raja 
because my my dear friend who died in like 2016 uh 2015 was the first person that mentioned drag race to me he was like a 40 year old gay man and he loved rupaul's drag race and i remember like texting with him when he was like in the hospital talking about drag race stuff because then i had started watching it and i was like who's your favorite queen and he reluctantly said raja he was like mm -hmm. i can't pick one but it's probably raja because he liked the mean queens um <laughs> yeah. and raja's like super mean <laughs> which i find quite endearing so i i really like raja and then the next one i guess just for it's hard not to say bob but i'm gonna say something different that you're not mm -hmm. gonna expect madam laqueer I'm mean, reaction. I can see that that is shocking. No, it's so I'm gonna have to look it up. I, I'm, I'm not, gonna have to check out Madame Laqueer after we end this call. No, I mean, <laughs> see, the one thing that comes to my mind when I think of Madame Laqueer was when she was on season four, just this clip of her in the confessional being like talking about a previous ankle injury she yes, had. Yes, that's what it is. My uncle's. And she's like, my, my uncle's went. <laughs> I love Madame Laqueer. She had an so accent? Good. Yeah, she was with the accent. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. A lot of the queens from the earlier seasons were from Puerto Rico. Not so much now. Like, the last one we had was Alyssa Hunter on season 14. As a Puerto Rican, I love all my Puerto Rican queens, so. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> all right. Dawn. Favorite season? You had to pick one. Okay. No, no multiple answers here. This is. <laughs> I'm probably because it was the first season I watched, season ten. I just think the talent on that seat. Oh God! Wait, no. <laughs> now I thought uh, about another season. No, I'm I'm sticking to my answer, season ten. <laughs> that was a good choice to stick to your answer. Yeah, stick it. Why? To your why is season ten your favorite? Besides the fact that it was the first one you watched. So, just. The talent on that season with queens like Aquaria, Monet Exchange, Mo Hart. I just, so many people on that cast. I fucking love so much. And it made for a really entertaining first season. Like the drama on the season with Eureka and the Vixen was really fun. Oh, yeah. I remember that. The reunion was really fun, though. Offshoot favorite episode, season nine's reunion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, favorite episode. So we have that. Season what made nine. that reunion so good? The drama. <laughs> Everyone like fucking hated each other. It was so fun. Like obviously, I, I wish the best for these queens because they are real people. <laughs> God, that. that was that's nice to acknowledge. <laughs> I know, like they, they actually well, exist in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like the way reality TV presents people is so facetious that like it's some some people do forget that oh no you're, you're right you're right that's why i said it's good to acknowledge that yeah. <laughs> but um season nine's reunion was just so fun when they presented the miss congeniality award which was you know for the nicest queen of the season but for some reason that year the fans voted and the fans voted for their the fan favorite valentina uh i remember this <laughs> and <laughs> asha was like 
I don't think you deserve to be Miss Congeniality. <laughs> I remember um, that being quoted all the time. The Valentina, like Valentina's perfect. Who said that? That was also Aja. You're beautiful. You're perfect. Yes. Linda Evangelista. You're a model. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that became a meme. That's yeah. From yeah. Yeah, she could come out wearing a fucking diaper, and the judges would eat her up. Yeah. Oh my god, Valentina, you're smiling. Your smile is beautiful. <laughs> this is blowing my mind because that was such a big meme. I had no idea it was from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, same thing happened to me. Like I remember on uh, when Vine existed and earlier on TikTok, this song from the season eight finale like the intro of it they tried to put me on the cover of vogue but my legs were too long yeah grace <laughs> i didn't know that because i didn't i did not watch season eight at that point and then i remember watching the season eight finale for the first time and i'm like wait naomi small that was naomi small's song <laughs> that became super popular on vine and tiktok god i i just fine I think part of Drag Race's success during the specific time period is, of course, its memeability. Mm -hmm. It's just so readily memeable because you have a bunch of really good quippers saying really mm -hmm. quippy things looking a very specific way. I mean, that's just like what a meme is, right? Yeah, yeah it's perfect. It's perfect bait. You know, it's just meme bait. Going back to the season nine finale, I remember during the whole Miss Congeniality moment, Valentina and another queen, Pheromone, were like arguing. Uh, and Valentina's like, Farah, I love you and respect you. And just zooms in on Farah. You don't love me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, she's crying and like, it is, again, perfect reality television. <laughs> So that's your fave season. I have already answered mine is season six because that was my first season. I think it's kind of like, you know, you value your firsts in a way. And I, I value my first season of Drag Race in that same way. You know? <laughs> you guys are really, hmm. <laughs> you know, there's more to life than nostalgia, y'all. <laughs> you know? Well, Dawn has mentioned recency bias a bunch of times, so there's also that. I know, that. I know. Um, another season. Dawn is trying to, she is trying to be fair. She is trying to be fair. I see that. I, I do also love like season 14 a, a lot because of its cast of like, what, five or six trans women, the most that has ever competed like together on one season. <laughs> I remember one person. So many queens after the season had filmed, but was still airing. Um, so many queens were coming out as trans women. <laughs> and people, like, do you remember the fucking Thanos from the Marvel? I don't, yes, I don't of course. Know. Yes. It's like the Infinity Gauntlet with all like the different. <laughs> people memes that with Carrie Colby, the one person who was out as trans before the season started. And as each person would come out, it's like, oh, another ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good meme. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> meme. <laughs> like, I respect that meme really hard. That's yeah. really good. Okay, Dawn, you've already answered this a little bit, but uh, best look queen. Again, 
recency bias, but Lux Noir in London from season 15. I just love the way she looks in drag. Like, I don't know how to describe it. She just looks, I mean, it's kind of in her name. She's the epitome of black luxury. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I love her. Though another honorable mention to Naomi Smalls. <laughs> sure. Big time. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, who? Kim Chi. Remember Kim Chi? Of course. Oh, unbelievable. The most wild makeup. Like, just <laughs> so incredible. Through the competition, you know. It's unbelievable. I love um, her. Yeah, she's really cool. Okay, best drag queen drag name. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Which one? Oh, uh, like I feel like it would be kind of cliche to go with like the punny names. And there's just something I love about ridiculously long pageant names <laughs> and i think my answer will be angeria paris van michaels because <laughs> 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 like that is so ridiculous <laughs> like that is so long so bougie sounding i love it <laughs> great name have you been to a pageant dawn not to a pageant no i'd love to go i know that miss continental plus had just ended but um I'd love to go to one one day. <laughs> I think you should. I think I think you can. Do you go locally to drag shows around here? I try my best to. Like, um, I'm currently, as we are filming, 20 years old. So, you oh, know, true. Um, um, many places are 21 plus. So, yeah. you know, sometimes I try to sneak in, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> don't tell the government that. Um, <laughs> government. Yeah, we're gonna start telling the government. Yeah, you know the government. <laughs> John, you're the reason. That's why they're trying to keep these kids oh, out of the no. drag shows. Yeah, you're a corruptible youth. <laughs> oh no, my youth is so corrupted. <laughs> All right, good answer. Good answer. How about what does America's Next Drag Superstar mean to you? I think being America's Next Drag Superstar, it, it would change my life. <laughs> no, okay. Honestly, currently, I'd say it means a fat check. <laughs> what, Sasha Colby just won $200,000? Like, good for her. Because <laughs> honestly, with current drag race, like, winning is not everything, honestly. Because if you don't win, you can always come back for All-Stars and make that <laughs> money again. Or you can become a meme on the internet and then get famous that way, too. Yeah. And then come back for All-Stars. Yeah. <laughs> or have the fans fall in love with you for being the robbed queen of the season. And be like, oh my god, you were robbed. I'm going to support the ever-loving hell out of you because you were robbed on this reality TV show 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met any of your favorite queens before? Have you been able um, to? I have. Um, the first one I met was around last year. Actually, yeah, around April last year, uh, I'd met Tammy Brown uh, from season one. And she is just, she was so nice, but also just so, I mean, if you don't know who Tammy Brown is, she is just so 
zany and wacky. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe her. She is she's a strange one. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Where did you meet her? Uh, what, was, was, what was the circumstance? Uh, she was performing at Hamburger Mary's here in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I've been to brunch, drag brunch there, actually, yeah, with my it, mom. Ooh. Uh, that was, like, at night, and I was like, because they were having a viewing party for season 14. So I went with a, a friend, and then after, uh, it was just like a fun drag night with all the queens who regularly perform there, and also Tammy Brown as a special guest. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And I, I, mean, other, I met other queens as well. I remember July last year, I went to the Work the World tour, which started here in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> At least last year it did. <laughs> um, so it was so fun going to like the first show of the season, and I. So I went to the meet and greet, meeting some of the queens was so fun. Like Deja Sky, who was just on season 14. Uh, she had recognized me from twitter.com slash Johnny Dreams. Which is oh, like, nice. nice. Deja, hi. And she's like, wait. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the person with the pink profile picture always in your replies. She's like, oh. You're the pink bitch, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm the pink bitch." And he was taking pictures with Angeria uh, next to her, and Angeria, in the most country accent ever, was like, "Did did, did you just call yourself the pink bitch?" <laughs> and I was like, Ew. "I love that." So I, I cherish that memory. <laughs> I think that's one of the cool things about Drag Race, at least, is that I mean, you can see and meet a lot of these people that you mm -hmm. see on the TV. At least I, as like just a cursory fan, have met some some queens from RuPaul's Drag Race. And it's like, oh, this is interesting to actually see this person because usually they're at such a distance and they feel so much larger than life. When in reality, like, you know, yeah. a drag queen is a performer that's supposed to be like in front of you performing. So it's cool mm -hmm. when you can actually get that experience too. If you don't mind, and I flip this question out on you, who have you seen? Yeah. I <laughs> well, okay, so now that it's on me, I can only remember one, but I had a very, like, I, when I say intimate, I only mean intimate in that, like, I hung out with her. She's an Asian queen, but I don't remember her name. She's one from a, one of the earlier seasons, but we had a, just like a weird hotel pool in North Fort Lauderdale, and they had, like, chili there. And there, people were just eating chili out of like, these like weird styrofoam uh, bowls. <laughs> and we we're just all hanging out drinking and we like posed for a bunch of pictures. But the best one I had was Alyssa Edwards, meeting Alyssa Edwards at um, in Wilton Manors and talking with her for like a second. She's so funny. Like what a oh, hilarious person. I love her. <laughs> I want to figure out who, who was that queen that you saw. Yeah, I need to do some more research. Yeah, they were eating chili <laughs> who at is the pool. I'm going to contact every drag queen to have ever existed and ask, yes. did you eat chili? <laughs> that's the ideal. That's obviously the ideal meal to have at a Fort Lauderdale pool. Yeah, obviously. Like, hot <laughs> chili. Yeah, like, who hot like, chili. Who would want like a cute little tropical drink or like a, I don't know, fucking french fries or whatever no oh, it's chili yeah that it was a pretty low-key uh kind of affair it was not very well attended which was cool because then you got to really hang out 
God, I wish I could remember her name, but I, uh, it'll it'll come to me um, at some point. I'm just going to spitball some names because I, I want to know. <laughs> 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 Could have been like Angina, Manila. No, it was not Manila because, yeah, that would have <laughs> been, that, that. that would have cost <laughs> a little bit more. This was like a lower level eliminated early kind of situation. Okay. Lower level? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not Manila Luzon. I hope no. she never listens to this, whoever it is. She was older too, definitely older. Should we transition to maybe some closing thoughts here? I think it's interesting that we're talking about this now because in this moment in our culture, we have so much of a backlash against all forms of queerness, but like the drag show has seemed to take some sort of precedent because I guess of what it represents. I, I really don't know what to say. I just think that it's interesting that from 2009 to now, as much as drag has become this popular art form that everyone can see and that people understand and, and love, there's also the immediate conservative backlash to this thing. Yeah, like... Well, oh, sorry, Don. Well, no, no, you, you go first. <laughs> I was going to say that I think the two arenas that are being hit the hardest, aside from just general welfare... <laughs> Uh, like the general welfare of people are sports and drag shows. And I think this is, you know, just from my understanding as like a trans and queer person that these are the places where we see gender fuckery, quote unquote, on display the most, right? Mm -hmm. in, in like a very outward way, even in women's sports, you know, women are not expected to be like strong, fast, agile, et cetera, et cetera. So when we start to like get into these arenas where women and men are doing things that are not expected of them or not traditional or whatever, you know, what, what, however these like conservatives want to talk about it. I think that that's that we want to get rid of the public, the publicity of it. You know, we want to get rid of like how outward it is and like how obvious it is. And so I think to me, like drag shows are like the most obvious place for them to go. If they think, that trans people are bad and they think that you know defying gender expectations is bad then a drag show is like the most obvious example of a place where people are defying all of those expectations so i think it makes sense that they have targeted them first aside from like it becoming popular i think they probably would have chosen this as a target even if drag race didn't exist mm. um but then also i don't know if like some of the things that have happened because of drag race's popularity would have happened. But I do still think that to a certain extent, this always would have been a target just because it is, like I said, it's a public display of people being like, fuck the gender expectations, fuck like what you think a man or a woman is. Um, we're redefining that here today. So I think, yeah, I just think that, that that's, it is a very obvious target in my opinion. What do you think, Don? Like, it's, definitely like a horrifying time that we're living in like i believe this is kind of directly a, not a consequence but like a result of drag race becoming so popular and drag becoming super popular as a result when i was first watching drag race i had always said like i wish that i had this kind of queer representation when i was a kid because that would have definitely helped me figure out who i am as a trans woman so much earlier and that's exactly what they're afraid of they are afraid of 
people like me like realizing who they are and saying fuck you to that to the current power system we have in place and now that kids have like these queens at drag queen story time or can tune in to watch drag race every every friday on mtv this that scares them because it's going to create more people not create but help people realize sooner people like me there's thousands of trans kids out there who don't know who they are right now and this sort of queer representation would help them so much sooner than anything else really and again that's what they're afraid of they're afraid of more of us essentially so yeah, absolutely they don't they don't want us freaks around yeah <laughs> <laughs> no this is this is what happens when like movements gain power and like people get representation is that like the reactionary backlash and it's so interesting to view it real time and to see growth hit with this weird obsessive thing with something that you didn't even really consider maybe two years ago you just mm -hmm. didn't even think about it and now all of a sudden you're obsessed with it it's it's so transparent it's so blindly hateful and it blows my mind that that we're continuing to see this mm -hmm. and maybe it doesn't blow your minds as much but it, like it, it continually blows my mind <laughs> i mean the effort that some of these people go through to do this like i mean i remember the kind of last latest experience i've had with this personally i went to a drag queen christmas here in fort lauderdale which the show was amazing but like a little bit through the second act which means this guy had bought tickets and had sat through the entire first act <laughs> <laughs> he forgot that he hated it he was yeah. like oh, i'm really enjoying no myself. he was having fun at first the host nina west uh, came down and talked to like a couple people in the crowd and there was this woman with like a very high-pitched voice she sounded like a child and when she started speaking that guy uh, that like one guy came up and was like y you're grooming children you know and it's like so you've been waiting you, you bought a ticket <laughs> you, you bought a ticket supporting the queen supporting the venue <laughs> supporting more shows like this happening in the future sat through the entire first act sat through intermission <laughs> maybe bought a drink i don't know <laughs> yeah probably just to get banned from the broward center <laughs> like, mission yeah. accomplished baby well he knew he wasn't gonna get banned from the broward center so he needed like to milk yeah. it for what it was worth you know he Go couldn't just bang. yeah out with a bang, you know yeah. i mean to be fair I, I was i will say to be fair there are some politicians who if i had to like buy a ticket to their event so that i could go to that event and scream at them i would do it <laughs> that's true <laughs> i don't know if i would if there's one free, there's one that i'm thinking about in particular look if huh. it was yeah. free if it was free i'd do it but like i'm not giving money I mean, like, if I'm paying, I'm I'm making it to the stage. Like, let's just say that. <laughs> like, let me just put. A, if I'm paying, I'm gonna be up on the stage yelling at them. <laughs> Hopefully, doing other stuff. But you know, party, I guess. I I'll, get, I'll get what I can get. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, Don. I think like, okay, it's not surprise like backlash or like 
this is not surprising to me. History has a tendency to repeat itself when we don't like fix, you know, we, there's a lot of wounds that we haven't fixed. We've only just put band-aids over them to try to like cover them, but our systems are broken in this country generally. And I just think because wounds aren't fixed, because wounds haven't healed, etc., history was bound to repeat itself. The backlash against gay people in the 70s and in the 80s and in the 90s is like bound to come back again. I think that this is a it's taking like on a particular flavor that is is disturbing just because it is so invasive of like people's personal autonomy. It's not just like, oh, don't it's not just like, oh, gay people are bad. It's trans people should not have access to medical care. I think that that is a completely different thing, obviously, than the experiences of the past. And that makes it more disturbing. It's not surprising. It's just so much more, as you said, like the lengths that people will go is so much more involved than it has been in the past. And that, and the fact that they have support and that they are passing these things, that is the part that like really like gets me that makes my heart feel like it's being squeezed. Yeah. yeah living. I mean, especially in a place like this in, in Florida, I'm very scared for my future here. <laughs> you know, I've considered moving out of state many times <laughs> because it, it does gen genuinely horrify me. But I mean, I've been in this community for a long time. Like I've been out as trans for five years now and I, I know we can fight back against this. It's just going to be a hard road to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's kind of funny. I was talking to my neighbor who is a lesbian, has been in the in South Florida for like ever now. And she was just doing her Ron DeSantis rant. And <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. But... One thing that she said that like really struck me and, you know, because Donna, I'm going through the same thing as you, you know, wondering what, what to do kind of. One thing that she said that really, really, really struck me was she was like in the seventies, even with Anita Bryant, you know, going on TV and saying gay people are bad and all of these things. I felt freer as a Floridian in the seven, as a gay Floridian in the seventies than I do right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, if my, like, older neighbor is, like, feeling that, I'm like, oh. Then, like, all the feelings I'm feeling are totally valid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if my older white lesbian neighbor who doesn't have, like, a lot to worry about, owns her home, is kind of, like, semi-retired, has feelings about how she's living right now, it's like, okay, yeah, like, it's it's okay that the rest of us are scared, too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's real. <laughs> I thought that was going to be more inspiring uh, story there, brother. Sorry, I thought no. you were going to, I thought she would have no. said, like, no, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. She said yeah. that in the 70s, it was better. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, from everything I've read, it seems a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, there's always Drag Race, right? There's always, there's always Drag Race. race. It'll <laughs> together. You know, Drag Race will heal the nation. Yeah, it could. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think it could. Like, I don't know. Like, something could, something like that could. If people just, I don't know. And I think but, maybe it was. Like, I think that maybe we yeah, were Yeah, maybe like, it was. Maybe it was helping. 
it was probably helping and, and i mean it still does it's, as don said it helps like so many people in so many different ways i think it will again obviously we have to be hopeful right there, there has to be hope because mm -hmm. without that like what are we doing yeah it just it just sucks that it that this backlash as steph said it is so pervasive and invasive like nationwide it seems unprecedented in that way and those guys are terrible and they suck i don't know what else to say <laughs> it's not drag race's fault it's not drag race's <laughs> fault definitely clear. not it's not drag race's fault drag race could not rupaul could not have anticipated this <laughs> god I think there's like I guess something to be to be said about the way in which like hard power and soft power are interplaying here because in the beginning we're talking like 2009 like the first season there was a general acceptance but you could agree that times were pretty like were more homophobic and transphobic in that time period but it was just a generally accepted idea and now that that generally accepted idea has has dissipated and people are becoming more accepting people in power have to create laws it's kind of like the same thing in jim crow where it was like oh in certain places there's no laws people just know that we're supposed to be separate when you create like a cultural consciousness and a cultural awareness people are going to try and try to lit like litigate and legislate what you are actually allowed to do because they can't prevent people from living their their lives in a way that is is peaceful absolutely and we have to make the decision what we're going to do in response to that yeah yeah and it might not be what everybody wants it to be yeah <laughs> i have to be a little more drastic that's a, hey that's okay i'm with you yeah. all right i i guess that that's a pretty good place to end <laughs> yeah you know starting talking about drag race and then kind of just about drag in general and then this now we're talking about bad guys yeah, yeah i mean enemies. you know it's, it's all all connected well Don, let me just ask you one last question you kind of talked about this a little bit that mm -hmm. drag kind of like helped you become more comfortable in who you were i guess yeah because i had Can you started, talk a little bit more on that uh i had started watching drag race after i had already come out as trans though just being able to see especially uh, the trans women of season 14, of All Stars 6, of season 15. I guess there was only one on season 15, <laughs> but whatever. Seeing such positive trans and queer representation has helped me feel more confident in myself and my own appearance and just my general identity. Like, And I found a community through Drag Race who have just been so loving and accepting and I'm so happy to have these friends in my life now and have people in my life that I like look up to, <laughs> like these queens that I look up to so much, these people that I met through Drag Race that I look up to and love so much. It is just so amazing to have this because of this platform. That's beautiful and that's where we should end. <laughs> There's that, the good ending. That is beautiful. <laughs> Don, can you, can you remind people where they can find you? Okay, hi. Um, I'm on uh, pretty much every social media. Donnie Dreams, uh, D A W N I E E. There's two E's. Don't forget. <laughs> uh, Donnie Dreams everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, mostly Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> A Thank lot. You for talk 
Thank you for talking to us about Drag Race. And also, more importantly, what Drag Race meant to you. Because I think that that's the best part about this. Mm. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. It was This was so fun. Yeah, thank you, Dawn. <laughs> and thanks for being a patron. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're not subscribed to the... If you're not subscribed to the Black Eye Jack Guy po uh, podcast Patreon, you're only getting half the story. <laughs> yes, thank you, Don. That was amazing. Now that's where that's, we'll end. Yeah, we just have another ending. Keep on ending. Thank you for listening. <laughs>